Hello and welcome to the Thriving Abroad Together podcast series and episode 10. I'm Louise Wilde, your host for these conversations, an expat change and transition coach and author of Thriving Abroad, the definitive guide to professional and personal relocation success. Now this is part of the Thriving Abroad Together series created to support expats and the internationally mobile who are facing extraordinary times as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, I'm speaking to a range of amazing professionals who have perspectives, insights and advice to share that I hope will support you and your loved ones through this challenging time. I've created show notes that record the key points of the conversations and you can download those from thrivingabroad.com. Look for the Thriving Abroad Together series and then episode 10. While you're there, why not sign up for the Thriving Abroad newsletter? And then you will always get the latest episode news directly into your email with a link to the show notes for that episode. So in this episode, I'm speaking to Carolyn Parsarizu, who's a coach and child life specialist. And in this conversation, Carolyn shares what she's learned about supporting children and teens in hospital settings and how understanding their coping styles was a way in which to support them in the best possible way for them. Now, in the depths of the COVID-19 pandemic, this knowledge is really relevant to parents wondering how best to support their children and teens, and also themselves. As I discovered, the explanation of coping styles is super relevant to us all. It's a really great conversation with real practical application. So hello, Carolyn. It is lovely to have you joining the Thriving Board conversation today. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Well, it's lovely that you're here. So perhaps just to give everyone uh, sort of a bit of a, a sense of where you, who you are and where you are, um, can you just tell us a little bit about where you are in the world and what's going on for you at the moment, given the current COVID-19 situation? Yeah, sure. I live in northern Italy, about two hours from the epicenter that most people are hearing about on the news, just just below the Austrian border. So we're in a right. province called Bolzano. Uh-huh. Yeah, and this is the beginning of our fourth week in strict lockdown. So that's that's where I've been <laughs> the last <laughs> three and a half weeks or so. Um, yeah, this is this yeah. is where we are. And I have a, a son home here with me, and my husband is a hospital physician. And so he's right. been on a week and then off a week. That's how they've staggered the staff. So it's right. been quite different, quite different for us as a family, you know, to have that time <laughs> together. And, and then when he goes to work, having it be kind of more of a dangerous or, you know, more stressful situation than in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I can really understand that that must be, um, you know, challenging to cope for with as a family, <laughs> um, as many health workers are, you know, are, are having the same experience. And of course, we've all watched Italy and the, the progress of, of the disease in Italy. Um, and so, you know, our hearts, I'm sure everyone listening, our hearts have gone out to everyone in Italy as we've seen it and seen the experience there. Um, now I'm living in the UK, and so I'm, I have a feeling we're heading in that direction at the moment. So, yeah, we're behind in terms of the time, our timeline, and we're just in mm. our into our second week of lockdown. I won't say strict because we are allowed to go out and walk um, for an hour or so each day and shop and things like that. Um, yeah, I suppose it is pretty strict actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm we, getting yeah. used to. Yeah. That is, I mean, that's that's more than than was happening for you all not too long ago. So I think, <clears throat> I think well, that's absolutely. important. Yeah, yeah. And and we are we're allowed now to go out 200 meters from our home. So f- the first week or so, we were able to walk about however far we wanted, and you know, just sort mm-hmm. of keep our regular routines. Yeah. Now it's a bit it's a bit tighter. And it seems to be having an effect. I, I hate to make any statement, really, because it seems like day to day, it's just unpredictable. It, you know, mm. the curve is, is beginning to flatten, in the, but it, at the same time, you know, then the next day, we'll have a rise somewhere else in the country. So 
um, yeah, I'm still, we're still watching it play out. And um, in the area where I'm living, our numbers have been really steady. They've been going up, but they've been mm. really kind of slow and steady instead of that shooting straight up. Yeah. So, and we, yeah. we locked down a little, a couple, I guess a week after the rest of the country. Right. Um, okay. Okay. And but so it sounds like you've managed to flatten the curve as everyone is talking about. Does, yeah, I mean, it, it does yeah. seem to be it does seem to be making a difference from yeah. what we can see right now. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're yeah. you know we're really we're going. They're very they are enforcing it, and I think mm. they were a little more casual in the beginning, and then once they stepped that up, and people realized they were getting pretty heavy fines, and in some cases there was I, you know I don't know if this has happened, but there was threat of having your vehicle impounded. Um, and fines of up to 3,000 euros. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So that made a um, difference <laughs> for us. <laughs> that focused people's attention and mind. Yeah, not, not so heavily enforced in the UK. Some stories about police stopping people going, you know, hiking in various locations with drones and following people with drones. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they've been told to not do that. So, um, yeah, we're, I think we're trying to take all I guess more a libertarian view of it, um, whether that's the right thing or not, I don't know. I think mm -hmm. the majority of Brits are doing very well and mm -hmm. sticking to, you know, I think we've been, you know, the mantra is, you know, stay home to, to help the NHS. And I think that really is hitting people. And, mm -hmm. and the majority are, although there's pockets that aren't, but Anyway, so the interesting thing for all of us then is that we're at home. Schools have finished for now. Homeschooling is on, although we're now in need for holidays, so that's not happening for my children at the moment. But we're all having to cope with a very different reality. And so this is really what I wanted to talk with you about because I know that your professional expertise has has been for some time working with, with children. I know that's not where you are now. Um, but do you want to just Tell us a little bit about your work as a child life specialist and what that entails. And then we'll go on to talk about um, coping and, and how we can support our children and, and in the way that we understand um, how, how they cope and therefore what we can do to support them and help them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my, my professional background is, is in school counseling and child life. And um, I, I still use that in my current life coach coaching practice and consultation practice. Um, but my specific experience, I, I worked with about for about 10 years working directly with tweens, teens, and young adults in both educational and hospital settings, helping, um, helping them to make meaningful connections, positive choices, and learning how to create coping strategies and things like that. Um, and during my time in the hospital setting, I also prepared children of all ages and their families for surgical experiences. And so I helped them to identify challenges, create coping strategies, and then inform, you know, help inform them in a developmentally appropriate way, mm -hmm. you know, about what was going to happen in the medical setting. And so the, the profession of child life is, it was originally originated in the hospital setting, but has now been transferred and can transfer out um, to, in order to help infants, children, youth, and families in times of any stressful or traumatic life event or situation. And so that's where it really, it trans, translates really well into this particular situation that we're all in, where we're dealing with a health, a health um, crisis on a global level. Um, and so for the, for the, for many people, this is the first time they've really had to take a look at their child's coping and, or their own, you know, because maybe they don't have experience with a health crisis, um, in the past. And so people are kind of struggling to figure out how to talk about it, how to, um, how to support their kids, how to support themselves when they're all in a close proximity with each other. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'd say that, you know, child life and, and coaching are a beautiful match because they're both about helping people transform their perspective and just kind right. of live more consciously and, and deeply in whatever experience they're having. Yeah, 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 great. And um, so I can absolutely see how this can help in this situation. I guess we have different scenarios and you know, at the moment there's kind of, 
medical reality hasn't hit our family because very fortunately none of our family has become ill with it to our knowledge um not in any you know severe physical um mm. sense so um my children are, are observing it from a distance in a way mm. um so that's a, that's one scenario and then obviously the other scenario is where you, somebody in your family is ill and yeah. varying degrees of illness and having to sort of help a child through their understanding of that and perhaps the child being ill too so um I imagine that the age of the children will be very relevant to how you support, well, how you understand their coping styles, but also how you support them. So can you talk a bit about the development stages of children and how that might impact them, how they perceive this whole experience? Yeah, right. So before, right, before we have the conversation or before we, we talk about this with kids, it is important to understand what, what's realistic, right, for them to be able to understand and, and what's important for them to know and, and things like that. Um, so obviously from birth to three, they really don't understand anything about illness. They might, you know, maybe around three, they might understand physical symptoms that they're sick. You know, when somebody's sick, mm -hmm. they cough, mm -hmm. something very straightforward. So in that, in that phase, we're really just um, not talking about it, but playing about it. And I think about, you know, if, if kids are going out to the grocery store with you and that you have, you know, toddlers, a toddler or a three-year-old some, somewhere around there. Um, and you, people are going to be wearing masks. That's kind of what they need to know about, you know, we're going to see people with masks and, and why, and, and not a lot of detail about why just that that's catching their, their cough. It's a cough catcher or a sneeze catcher, for instance. Yeah, so you keep it yeah. very concrete, right? Just very concrete with what they are going to see or experience. If they're not going to be exposed to anything that that changes their world, then they really don't need any information. They don't because they don't understand anyway. Um, yeah, for picture. Yeah. But then from like three to seven, that's where they start to understand that you can catch a cold, for instance. You know, catch mm -hmm. something, and but it's it's super magical, like. Uh, it's all, they don't understand how it happens. They might catch a cold from the cold air, for instance, or, mm. um, you know, who knows in their own mind, they might think up something that's totally, totally magically based. And again, it's going to be through play that you might help them to understand. It's very vague for them. So again, it has to stay quite concrete from like three to seven, depending on, you know, your child. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And not until really seven or so around there. And, you you know, ever, we know our kids best, so we know what they're able to comprehend. But not until about seven to 11 are they really able to, to comprehend this idea of contamination. So this ideal of social distancing, you know, that that or um, of going to the grocery store and needing to, to wipe things down or that you can catch it from a surface like the, the door handles or... Um, the light switches, it's really not until about seven that they truly understand that concept. Yeah, yeah. So it's important for them just to know what their jobs are, what they need to do, if, if, that's, if it's affecting you in this way, you know, if you're this close to it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think for the most part, like in my family, I have a 10-year-old and, you know, we haven't been, he hasn't been to the grocery store. So he doesn't actually, he doesn't need that information because it hasn't, it doesn't affect him <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so um, that's part of it, too, is, you know, obviously we all are having different experiences with this. And some for some of us, it's closer than others. Um, and so, first of all, evaluating, you know, what is necessary for my child to know and starting there? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, from 11 up, it's, you know, they, they do fully understand um, that there are also things that we can do to keep ourselves healthier um, practices that we, that we can participate in. And they of course understand the physiological explanation or they're able to uh, understand a physiological explanation. Yeah. 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 And I, I guess that, that I noticed somewhere, I think it probably was in one of the family and global transition discussion groups actually this week um, asking about teens who perhaps aren't understanding the significance of social distancing 
and are still wanting to see their friends and you know how can yeah. we make them yeah aware yeah. of that because they believe for them okay I'll just get a mild dose of whatever of COVID and, and it's not a great threat to me so why can't I just yeah I know <laughs> teens are like a special group because they developmentally you know if they're if they're right on track they're thinking only about themselves for one thing and that's normal yeah. and um so they're not you know, the whole idea of doing it for someone else isn't, isn't usually, you know, very motivating for them. Yeah. The other yeah. thing is that they, um, you know, their social motivations are so much stronger. So in terms of being, you know, being with their, their peer group is so much stronger than anything else that it, what happens, what we see with them is that they regress. And this is normal for teens under any stress, like any kind of stress, mm-hmm. um, but they will, re- even though they're fully able to understand why um, there's social distances, distancing is important, they may regress into this very concrete way of thinking. And, and then back to this idea that, yeah, that it's not going to affect me. Uh, I, 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 I'm not, um, th- they definitely think that way. I'm not going to be affected by this. I'm invincible, um, you know, all of these kinds yeah. of very typical teen behaviors. And it's also yeah. during a time when it's normal for them to resist any kind of out um, external control. <laughs> and so yeah. here we are putting the ultimate external control, right? It's like yeah. Yeah. all their yeah. independence and privacy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So tough with teens in the house. Um, okay, so those are the different development state, developmental stages. And I mean, so that just makes yeah. a lot of sense to me in terms of, yeah, how much it's important, and that's just, not important to talk about these things. Yeah, and, and that's just, um, you know, those are just developmentally how children, have, what their, co- their concepts of illness are. Mm-hmm. And it's just related to their cognitive development, really, you know, how, where they are with their own brain development. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so then if, if we kind of now add in the, you know, where we are now, and I'm sure people listening with children, teens, um, even teens, because I have two teens in my family, so I've noticed reacting in very different ways. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why do, and I guess as adults we see that as well, we're all acting and reacting in different ways. So what does that come down to? You know, why, why do we cope in such a wide range of ways? And I suppose we also, our coping styles can actually change over time as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're all doing things in different ways, which makes it all quite super complex. I know, and there's, environment, so many, isn't it? <laughs> there's so many factors, right? There, there's temperament mm-hmm. and there's personality and there's dyna- family dynamic, that, all of this that was already in place. But I think, yeah, it's helpful to focus on on coping style right now, because I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see that rise up <clears throat> and um, in yourself in your, and, and, and in your family members. Yeah. Um, and you're right. The coping, the coping style, it can also change. It's not like, um, I mean, it's kind of related to attitude in a way, but it's, it's, you could have two different coping styles going on at the same time. So for instance, a child may cope really well under stress at school. Maybe they're, that's just kind of where they excel and are able to handle it. And they know, they know what to do to get themselves through school stress. But when it comes to any other kind of like threat to their wellness or the wellness of the people that they love, they, they either because they don't have experience with that or just because for whatever reason, they have a different, they may have a different coping style that has to do with that. So Mm. sometimes people will be like, I'm so surprised that my child's, you know, acting this way, because at school, you know, they, they seem to deal with stress really well. Mm. So just know that that's, um, it's normal. And, um, you know, just to pay attention. And that's, and, and, you know, I think that it's helpful. Maybe that's where this next piece of information is helpful to know, like, to be able to identify their coping style. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, Yeah. So let's talk through the different, different coping styles then, because I know you've, you you talk about four. 
Yeah, yeah there are right, four yeah. main styles, and this is this is based on some research that was originally that comes out of healthcare, but it's just really applicable, I think, to just uh, all populations and all situations where there's stress. I think the first thing before you you talk about these, uh, before you talk to your child, and um, you first just you want to know what they already know. And I'll talk about those four styles in one second, but I just wanted to say that um, before we provide information, let's find out where they are right now. And so when I'm working with kids, I always start with an assessment of where they are. So tell me what you already know about COVID or tell me, use the language that you know your child uses. Tell me what you already know about the virus or tell me what you already know about what's happening right now in the world. And that gives you a really good sense of what they're focused on because they may say something that's not at all what you're expecting. And then when they say that, tell, what does that mean? What does COVID-19 mean? Or what does a pandemic mean? What is a virus? So kind of play dumb in this case. And, and we're talking, you know, younger children, but all the way up to, you know, even 12 um, mm -hmm. checking in because many times older kids can talk about things using the vocabulary that, adults use, but they really don't understand what those words mean on a deeper level. Yeah. So, and then the other question, well, I'll come, I'll come to that, that one. Um, so the first coping style that we see, if we're thinking of a, of a spectrum or, um, you know, yeah, a spectrum, we have catastrophizer first. And this is the person who thinks, who their go-to is the fo is their focus is on the worst case scenario. So this is a total disaster and we're all going to die. You know, this is like where they go. Um, or with school, this is a total disaster. I'm never going to get back on track with school and I'm going to fail. You know, they just go to the very worst case scenario. They are, <clears throat> they may think about escaping, avoiding, you know, they're, they're, they go into that stress response. Okay. Mm, yeah. You know, that fight or flight. <clears throat> and, and so if you are that person, so first of all, let me say that you, you may, as we talk about this, people may recognize themselves in what I'm describing, or they may catch themselves <laughs> going kind of in and out of different styles. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, we can choose. What I want to say is that we can choose our coping style. It's a learned skill. Coping is a learned skill and it does vary. But if we practice and we know what we want, you know, we know what kind of coping style we, we would benefit us, we can work towards that. And then we can right. model that. We can model that for our kids because they look to us. So if you are a catastrophizer, if you know that that's kind of your general way um, or you've experienced it for the first time in the situation, that happens too. Um, you know, just know that um, it, get to, that it's important for you to give yourself some space and some, uh, some time to get yourself together, right? Before you talk <laughs> with your kids, it really does make a difference. And they are looking to us, even a catastrophizer is going to look to us to see if this is really as bad as it seems to them. Yeah. So yeah. we might, you know, I, I, I really, I mean, I think it's important to be honest with our kids and to be authentic, but I think with catastrophizers, it's important um, to curb our own, to, to hold in some of our own feelings and not share everything with them if we're feeling the same way <laughs> that they are. Yeah, yeah, I, I can, I can, and actually I can kind of see how, I, I would say that I'm not a catastrophizer on the whole, but if I've been reading something in the news and that's my husband's around, I might start talking about it with that kind of now now I'm thinking about this and feeling quite bad about it because <laughs> no. I, I could play with that as an idea you know knowing that that's what I'm doing um for myself and he 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 will follow along and we'll have a conversation which is fine for us as adults because that we know that's what we're doing but for one of my teens who's standing around I'm suddenly thinking oh my goodness Yes, right. Picking up on it and reading it in a very different way. Right, and imagine, yeah, yeah. imagine that there you're being overheard and you don't realize you're being overheard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and yeah, um, yeah. yeah, so if you, yeah, so it, it's it's just an interesting. I think these are really helpful just to have some awareness, right? It, 
it's not like one is bad and the other, you know, there's a better or worse. They're all very normal, um, but it helps to have the awareness. And then to really, if you do have a catastrophizer in your house, to really watch your own language and use what, what I call, and, you know, child life specialists use this language a lot, uh, use the softest language that is honest. So we're not lying to our kids. We're not saying everything's going to be fine. You know, everything is going to work out for everyone. Um, when they can clearly see that may not be the case, um, depending mm-hmm. if, you know, mm-hmm. they're watching the news or whatever, or they know someone, you know, that's, this is touched. Yeah. But, yeah. but to use softer language, language that doesn't, that isn't laced with um, trauma, you know, and that energetically has like this, uh, a more calming, um, softer effect. So yes, the situation is, it's serious. And we have lots of people working on it to problem solve. All the smartest people and the most, um, you know, most experienced people are working on, on problem solving this right now. So then adding that reassurance that there, there are people that are really paying attention and working really, really hard at um, keeping people safe and problem solving. So reassurance for the catastrophizer is important, reminding them that the the situation is temporary and acknowledging, um, really acknowledging their feelings, allowing them to have the feelings they're having. Acknowledge, I know that you do get really worried about things like this, or I can see you're really worried now, and I totally understand why. Um, And just just know that this this isn't going to last forever. And one day, you know, you'll go back to school just like, like before, yeah. um, you know, yeah. whatever, whatever their concern may be in it. For some kids, it really may be more about their school disruption than, you know, this health situation that's going on outside the home. And the social disruption. For a yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. 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 The yeah. sense of loss, yeah. right. That they, they, they yeah. teens, are, yeah. teens especially are experiencing a sense of loss for major milestones that they've been looking mm-hmm. forward to. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. So for that catastrophizer, being keeping calm, speaking to them in a low key way is really important. If you need to practice that in the bathroom before you go out to talk with them, <laughs> if you know that's do it because it's worth it. Um, so that count, yeah, count to thirty. Because I guess you know when we're all feeling a little bit stressed, and I, I can sense, I, and now I've done it myself. It, it's it's so easy just to say stop being so over dramatic, you know, and yeah. that's really the worst thing you can say. Isn't yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. I know, but I you know it's totally understandable that sometimes it's just like oh my gosh, this is not the worst problem that the world is having right now, you know. Right, and it's yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's you have a bigger perspective, and so um, yeah, you're right. That can be that can not help the situation, right? And um, and then finding ways, fi- what, finding ways for that catastrophizer to have control. So what can they control in this situation? Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's just quiet. You know, you just do that. And we have a tendency to want to continue to make the person feel better or to bring them down to a calmer place. But we, sometimes that's just their work and we can't do that for them. All we can do is reassure and and validate their feelings and then just let there be some quiet yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. okay great. so so then we move to the sensitizer oh and i was going to say too the catastrophizer may want information they may you may notice that they're watching a lot of news or youtube videos or whatever they're collecting information but you will see that that information is causing their stress level to rise. So if, Mm -hmm. because sometimes a catastrophizer and a sensitizer, which I'll talk about next, a sensitizer, um, they can look the same in the beginning. They look like um, they're collecting information to help them cope, but a catastrophizer will actually, um, you know, increase their anxiety by with this information. Whereas a sensitizer, the more they know about it, the better they can manage. So they're going to be the person. And again, we may recognize this in ourselves um, who like to look at charts, who like to read articles about it. They might want to watch stories about um, positive survival stories, videos that explain how the virus is passed. You know, these, this, they want information and they actually feel better and more in control when they have it. And you can see their stress level go down. 
Okay. And with them, you want to, you want to talk about strategies and you can ask, you know, what do you think the hardest part about staying home is, or what is, you know, what do you, what do you think would help um, to feel for you to feel better about this situation? They want to have that conversation and they want to be part of that brainstorming. Okay. Okay. So with them, you would perhaps, if you watch the news, you would actually continue to have the conversation with them about what you've perhaps just seen. Um, just helping yes. them to, to yeah, to checking yeah. in. Yeah, I, I, checking in. Yeah, yeah. See, I relate to this one because that's this is me <laughs> on the mm, whole. Yeah. I like to know what's going on. So, and I and with my family, I, I, I annoy them because I'll say, oh, I've just read this and this is what I saw and isn't this interesting? And several of the members of my family will say, we don't want to know. And I'm like. Yes, but I do, <laughs> and I want to talk it through. Um, so that's an interesting one, isn't it, when you've got people who don't want to have that same level of knowledge and understanding. Yeah, so that that's actually a perfect example of when you have two different coping styles under the same roof, mm. and one piece, you know, one person's wanting to talk it out, and the other person is like, that's too much information for me, Mom. That's stressing me out, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that takes me to the, the minimizer and what you've just described is maybe someone who <clears throat> is just, maybe they they don't mind having a little bit of information. They just want the highlights. Mm -hmm. They don't need the details. They don't want to know all the personal stories. They don't, they only really need to know what they need to know. How is this going to affect me? And what do I need to be aware of? And please just give it to me in little chunks at a time. And maybe, um, instead of telling me all at once, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in reading about it when I feel ready and open. So that might be where you put an article or you send a link and just say, Oh, I sent you the link if you're interested, <laughs> you know, and then they yeah. have the choice. <laughs> yeah. they, they have the choice. Yeah. So, um, and, that, and that's the other thing if you, you know, are speaking and I'm even thinking about this is kind of like we're talking about news and information, but also I'm thinking about when it's time for if there's a, a situation where I will need to go out to the grocery store and take my son with me, um, you know, how much information does he need when we go there so that I'm not alarming him, right, and, and adding extra stress. So mm -hmm. even then, um, you look for that minimizer, you want to look to see when they're becoming uncomfortable and just stop. Like you might want to go on or finish, you know, your story or, <laughs> but you can see in their body language that they're becoming uncomfortable. And that's when we just need to stop and reassess. Mm -hmm. Like, is this necessary for them to know? Mm -hmm. um, or is this just my need <laughs> to process this out loud? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and I totally relate to that because we'll sit and have dinner and I'll, I'll, I'll start to say something and one of the members in my family will just, they, they shut me down actually now. <laughs> um, <just> realized <laughs> so now I know not to go there at all <laughs> at that point um but yeah so I really see how this plays out in my family dynamics definitely yeah and it's really but, helpful to know that and to be able to label it in this way definitely yeah and that so it's not it's not like someone's not, not doesn't care what you have to say or hmm. but it's really recognizing that this this is they need to be able to cope as well and that that you know your style is yeah. not necessarily their style, and no. yeah. and that's okay. And we can find people that have the same style. Like so, I do know I have a couple of friends where I can just kind of say everything to, and and they're and they're right there with me, right? And yeah. we can just yeah. talk it out. <laughs> um, but then <laughs> other people, like I, you know, I have family members who really do not. They don't want to know all the details that that are going on. Um, in Italy, mm -hmm. and they don't want to see the news clips, of course, because it raises their anxiety level because I'm here. And yeah. um, so yeah. they don't want to be informed. And, and I'm okay. I have to understand that, you know, and, um, and so what that person is, they could be a minimizer, but there is the last, the last, the fourth one, which is on the spectrum, we had catastrophizers on one end, and we have deniers on the other. And the denier is the person who's like, don't remind me, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. They may not even say that out loud, they just most likely will show that in their body language, like they will or their behavior, they'll 
change the subject while you, when you start to talk. They'll walk out of the room and have something they need to do. They will just turn away, start doing something else. Um, you know, and some kids will just straight out say, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I do see that. And I also, I was telling you this before that there is a certain age group, just like how teenagers, you know, they're, they're going through a normal development where they're pulling away from parents and resisting and, um, you know, wanting independence. And so it affects how they're handling social distancing and the rules. It's the mm-hmm. same with these kind of nine to 12 year olds with this, this coping style, they have a, a natural developmental period where they don't really like to talk about hard things directly. And so Mm -hmm. that's the child, even when you ask, how was your day today? And maybe, you know, something happened at school and you know about it and they say, everything's fine. Nothing happened. Yeah. They will not, but no matter what you, if you continue directly, they will not talk about it. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a normal developmental phase. So know that. And my son is in this phase right now. I mean, this is his normal phase. And so he's been very consistent throughout this whole thing. He doesn't need information. He's mentioned the virus twice in the month that we've been home. Um, Just twice. And he, you know, he gave some insight and I check in and, and with a denier, the danger is as a parent is that it, it can um, mask, it might look like they actually aren't affected mm-hmm. and aren't worried, don't have feelings about it. It can look that way. So with my, and that's, that's what it actually looks like um, with my child. So what I need to do and what I do is I really pay attention to his play and I pay attention to his drawings and I just really listen on a deeper level. Occasionally I'll, I'll ask a question to check in and he usually doesn't answer it directly. And so um, he's telling me, I, I don't need to dwell on this. Um, right. And I, and I do, I, I don't believe that he has any worries um, about this. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that um, it's not showing up in his play, but that's, and the other thing is like, when we go out, it, it does show up in things like, um, have you washed your hands? You can't, you rode your bike. Did you, you need to wash your hands? And he'll kind of blow that off. And so right. that's where with a denier, um, you have to still, they do need certain inf- you know, pieces of information. And so you, have, you give it to them orally. You might even put up a sign in the bathroom, you know, something written that's just a reminder that they can't miss, you know, they, yeah. 20 yeah. seconds, yeah. you know, whatever it is. Um, and or sign by the door before you go out, have you yeah. washed your hands, you know, um, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's there. You have to do things in a more indirect way with the deny the denier. And again, thinking just about this, this age group in general. Um, the other thing that has been really effective, it works really well in a lot of different situations is to ask the child for advice about other kids. So um, you know, I can kind of get away with this because I'll say, oh, I'm working with a family or I'm working with a kid and who, who just seems like he's really worried about going outside. And, um, you know, what do you think's going on for him? And then he, he, he will answer that question <laughs> that way. And he'll say, oh, well, he's probably worried about getting the virus or whatever. You know, he'll just, he'll, he'll answer. So many times they will they'll be able to talk about something if it's not them, if they're not the main character. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah. you can find a way in their own reality to, um, you know, ask for their advice or their perspective based on someone else's situation, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that can be a really effective, that can give you a window into where, you know, their pulse on the situation. Yeah. So they may have a full understanding that they just don't want to speak about it and, and discuss it regularly, but it's there and they, 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 yeah. They, yeah. They don't want it to be about them. You know, it's just yeah. too, too close. That's too immediate and close. And the yeah. other thing, yeah. the other thing is that you can speak to someone on the phone or another parent or another sibling in front of them with the information that it, that they need to know. So, yeah. um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, if you're having trouble having a direct conversation with them, you can have one of these that 
where they're hearing it, they're getting the information. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. it's not direct. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. That, they, yeah. they can be tricky. I, I'd say, you know, the denier and the catastrophizer are definitely need more attention or need more um, thought, I guess, mm. consciousness mm-hmm. when you're, if you're trying to get information to them without raising their anxiety level. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because the denier, you want to make sure that they have enough information to keep themselves safe. And mm-hmm. the catastrophizer, you just want to make sure that they don't have so much information that they are. Yeah. Right. They, and they don't really need, you know, and that's that's yeah, where you really yeah. have to think about what is need to know. And um, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do they need to know? What will, you know, I thought thinking of this like sur- in a surgical situation, kids actually didn't need to know what would happen after they fell asleep, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of people mm-hmm. think, oh, that, that you have to discuss every little detail. I mean, unless yeah. a child asks for that information, you don't need to provide it. So, yeah. and yeah. that's the same yeah. with this situation. It's what do they need to know how many people or how many, you know, healthcare worker, you know, what do they need to know numbers? Do they, pro- mm-hmm. that, if that doesn't affect them, and no, they don't. Um, so, and also because they probably have no perspective on those numbers anyway. Yeah. Often, <laughs> you know, depending on the age right. of the child. But yeah, right. Yeah, right. because I suppose that's the other thing. You know, we look at this as adults with our worldly wise perspective yeah. and our lifetime of experience, whereas children don't have that. I mean, one example. You know, my daughter was talking about how long will we be like this and oh, I read somewhere it could be until September we don't go back to school and that is so long and I'm thinking yeah that is quite a long time but in their world that's an enormous amount of time you know I remember when I was their age thinking of six months six weeks of the summer holidays as being forever um, yeah. whereas as an adult I can see it and go yeah that's a big chunk of time but you know we'll get through it quite quickly because time right. goes quickly and- and yeah, think yeah, about yeah. them developmentally. They're still developing, you know, every day. Their brain, yeah. their yeah. their bodies. I mean, six months in a child's life and a teenager's life is huge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thinking about it from their perspective. So the coping mm-hmm. styles, I think it's just such an interesting, useful model to help us think about how our kids are reacting and therefore then how we can support them. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's (laughs) I can just review that really quickly for your listeners. Mm, Yeah, catastrophizer, sensitizer, minimizer, and denier. (laughs) Yeah, 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 and 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 recognizing that your child might move between a few between those is that possible? Do they tend to? Yes, yeah, well, I can tell you, you know. I, I identify I identify pretty much as a sensitizer. I like to have information. I like to plan ahead when I can, when that's a possibility. And and I, I like to, to know what I need to know to make decisions and things like that. So I, I was I started off like that, collecting information, trying to understand, being informed. And then I started um, I realized I came to a threshold where I had taken in too much information or I started watching stories about personal experiences mm, on the news. Mm. And at some point I, I realized I hit, I kind of fell into, or I <laughs> slid into a catastrophizer because yeah. that it was the effect of the, of what I was taking in that pushed mm. me to that. And I had like one day where it got very close and I, my personal experience has been like there was a honeymoon phase in the beginning of the the, um, the containment, you know, that staying mm-hmm. home for the first week was kind of honeymoon. The second was personalization. And that was the week where I felt I felt I was aware of there. There was a moment where I was a catastrophizer, you know, but I caught myself and I was like, no, 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 no. OK, worst case scenario. Um I'm not going to dwell in that because there's nothing I can yeah. do, you know, and, and that was, yeah. when, and I think yeah. when it, when you get some, at some point, most people will feel something, get a little closer to them. You know, they'll, it'll, mm-hmm. you know, they'll know somebody who knew somebody or somebody they didn't know very well that might have it. Or, um, you know, in my case, it was just, mm-hmm. you know, my hospital, my husband getting more cases at the hospital and him um, yeah. 
and then, and then you know and then on the news you know they start announcing you know, the healthcare workers that had, had died from covid so yeah, that yeah. then i just i i let that information in and and then yeah i found myself kind of in this unhealthy or unsupportive way of coping <laughs> and so i had to i had to get out of that and and yeah. i think i think that that happens and just know that 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 could happen that may happen and there's support right there there's support um for us if we find ourselves <laughs> getting overloaded yes. information yeah mm -hmm. yeah 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 and i think i mean totally understandable in your scenario i can see how <laughs> absolutely yeah. and and i can totally relate as well you said the first week bit of a honeymoon and, and, and shut down and certainly for me last week um was that and then this week it has really hit me hard, and mm -hmm. um, and I don't think that's not so much because I've I haven't been I've been trying to limit my exposure to the news to once a day and you know mm -hmm. just not be constantly on it, um, but I think just the whole enormity suddenly hit home this week, and um, that's just something that I guess we're all having to work through, and mm -hmm. it's a kind of working through to acceptance, isn't it? I, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. There's that phase of like, okay, now I'm accepting the situation. First, there's like, I'm really inconvenienced. I'm really upset or sad or mad that I'm, I have to cancel this trip or I, you know, I, I watched myself and then I watched my relatives in the States a couple weeks behind going through the same thing, right? Not my relatives, yeah. but friends yeah. and relatives. And I yeah. saw them being really mad and I was like, oh, you just don't get it yet. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then it gets more personal and then there maybe fear creeps in like, oh, this could touch me. This could touch people yeah. I love. Yeah. And yeah. then now I'm in this disorganization phase where uh, it just keeps changing and I can't quite figure out how to set my goals you know like so i'm mm -hmm. i feel this and then there's reordering so that might be i don't know if this is just something that i've noticed in my own <laughs> process is that now i'm kind of reordering my expectations letting go of of some you know expectations and of myself as well and yeah you know what i what i can contribute or what i can accomplish so it's definitely this phase of, of reordering and how, how can I support and be of service? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also to yeah. my, my family as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, can, I can relate to all of that. That's all kind of running through my mind as well. And, and probably to a lot of people who are listening. And, and I think also the thing that for us in the UK to get home this week, you know, last week the government made announcements about businesses being able to um, furlough, furlough their businesses so put them into kind of um, rest if you like and financing and support there and then this week we're seeing this all beginning to play out and redundancies happening and yeah. you know yeah. everyone I know in some way is being hit either financially or medically and yeah. or working in, in healthcare so it's, it's kind of suddenly the reality is coming home um yes and it's yeah working through to acceptance about that for me i think is what where i'm at and i, I like the idea of the reordering uh yeah <laughs> that's probably <laughs> what i need to be doing some of that as well so uh you know this is so so helpful and useful and um, i really appreciate your time carolyn i'm kind of conscious we've been talking for quite a while so i think probably we should bring the conversation to an end is there anything else you you want to add or no, you know, just, just this last thought of, of, you know, especially with teens and releasing some of our expectations and letting go a little bit, um, of, of, um, yeah, I guess of clinging to what we think they should be doing or what, how they should be acting. I guess we all need, we all need to, to have some self-compassion right now for ourselves as partners, as individuals, as um, parents, and and you know remember that they're going like you said earlier they're going through their own have some empathy for them they're going through their own um, experiences too and to, mm. the more compassion and empathy we can bring into the picture I think the better we're all fair and not, not just for in our own families, but for 
for all out there that are struggling right now through um, this global, global situation. Yeah. 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 And I think listening is a powerful thing. And, um, you know, certainly this week, I think it was Monday. I'll share this. This is the final thing, but I, I would not, I woke up in a very bad <laughs> place and I have a, a wonderful friend who we, we talk once a week, often, I and mean, she's a colleague really, we talk about work, but on Monday she just listened to me and that just made such a difference. So mm-hmm. what I would say is if you are struggling out there, then, um, you know, find someone, either a friend, a colleague who, you know, will give you a listening ear and, and, and the time. And if you don't have those, then you know, think about finding a counsellor, a therapist um, who you can talk with because it helps without mm-hmm. a doubt. Mm-hmm. So that you can really let out what you need to let out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes you can't do that with your family. Exactly, um, exactly. You need it to be a third, third party, unrelated. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, brilliant. Thank you so much, Carolyn. I really appreciate your time today and, you know, your your expertise, sharing your expertise that has been so, so helpful. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. I will, um, to everyone listening, I will, you can go to thrivingabroad.com and look for this episode with Carolyn and there you'll see a link. I'll put a link, Carolyn, to your website. So if you want to get in touch with Carolyn, you can do so. But really appreciate your time. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And thank you for listening. Remember to go and access the show notes at thrivingabroad.com. Look for the Thriving Abroad Together series and episode 10. And don't forget while you're there to sign up for the newsletter. I'll be back soon with the next instalment. And if I can be of any support to you, then please email me, louise, at louisewiles.com. Wherever this podcast finds you in the world, please stay safe and well. Bye-bye for now.